25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And normally, like, I feel as if we tell each other what we're drinking because it's usually like a fun reason to drink and we're usually having a really great time. But today I am drinking just like the $3.99 Winking Owl uh, Moscato from Aldi. This is not a sponsored uh, take here. This is just what I'm drinking because I feel like it's what Oliver Bjorkstrand deserves. Uh you think he only deserves $3 Aldi wine? No, I think he deserves me drinking a glass of wine on the podcast as opposed to, like, pounding a beer. Like, that's what I think he deserves. Okay, because that was mean if you thought he only deserved $3 Aldi wine. Not that there's anything that I also drink Aldi wine from time to time, but Oliver is worth more than that. As the person of the two of us who is the most devastated by this trade, absolutely not what I meant. But nevertheless, welcome on in, everybody, uh, to this episode. We knew that things were going to move and shake, and boy, did they move, and boy, did they shake, because a lot of things have happened in Blue Jackets land since we last talked last week. Of course, last week, a lot of really high emotions still in Blue Jackets land, still kind of coming off of the incredible free agent signing of Johnny Goudreau, kind of coming off of the high of all the media takes that, you know, Johnny Goudreau did and, and just kind of continuing to process the fact that, you know, Johnny Jacket's here and he's going to be a blue jacket, but we all knew for a fact that this would mean that things would get nasty and things got nasty. And speaking of nasty, Laura, how are you doing this week? <laughs> That's such an interesting interesting way to transition to that um i am we're always honest on this show when we talk about our feelings i am okay i um have alluded to it before that i'm going through like some health stuff and um so i just haven't been feeling great uh for a little while and um today is definitely one of those days so not super like awesome but we're we're figuring out we're managing and the excitement slash roller coaster ride of the hockey world has definitely kept my mind occupied that and re-watching uh supernatural because apparently i hate myself so um but yeah how are you i know you're not re-watching supernatural because you didn't finish it correct and i'm still not gonna finish it this time around I I just can't. I already know how it ends. I just can't watch it because then it'll be like real in my mind. We need therapy. We do. Yeah. For but yeah. How are you? Yeah, not great. Not not awesome. I'm so tired. I know that we've talked about our work in higher education before, and I think that July is lovely because July is like a calm time of of the year. For the most part. And the issue, though, is when you start to creep closer and closer to the end of the month, it kind of gives you like that Sunday scaries vibe of like, oh, August is almost here. Monday is almost here. 
And that's where I'm finding myself this week. I am sleepy. I was going to take this week off. Can't take all of the week off. Don't love that. But I've got some things coming up this weekend that I hope are going to recharge me. And hopefully other people are finding ways to recharge themselves right now, too. Like, I feel like we're all just, like, not doing a good job of recharging and taking care of ourselves. So I'd like for us all to do better at that. That's kind of, like, my plea to everybody who's listening today. But, yeah, I am ready for a break, which is not great considering... (laughs) Uh, I don't know of a weekend from mid-August until mid-October that I'm not working. And then that mid-October is when I'm hopping on a flight to come on down to to cheer on our Blue Jackets in their home opener. So uh, I need to figure out how I'm going to take care of that. But the one way that I have also been able to preoccupy my brain is by following along with all of the craziness that's happening in the NHL. And it's not just in Columbus, of course, you know, things are, are wacky here in Columbus, but also like just across the NHL, man, like this is just such an interesting off season. And if you're a hockey fan and if you live for this time of year, the same way I do, you're having a lot of fun. Uh, but I will tell you that things got less fun last week. <laughs> and I think that we just probably, need to jump right into it and like let's not like say it's less fun let's start with the actual fun news yes um it was for the last how long like incredibly long time um i i was thinking about this today and i think because all of the things we're going to talk about happened on friday afternoon um and so i was thinking of how to best describe it and like Friday afternoon was like the Sour Patch Kid of Blue Jackets land. Like it was, but flipped. It was sweet and then it was sour. Um, So let's talk about the sweet first because that is the exciting part. It's something, as you said, we have been waiting for and chatting about and speculating and worrying and saying all these things um, for months now. Um, but it was announced on Friday afternoon that the Blue Jackets have officially signed a four-year contract extension or new contract um, with Mr. Patrick Line. And there was all a big round of applause. <laughs> yeah, that deal comes in at 8.7 AAV. I think that that's fair. Like, I think that everybody kind of pegged that as, like, kind of where they thought things would go on a longer-term deal. I think some people may be a little bit surprised by the four-year term, but I think that that offers the Blue Jackets a lot of flexibility. And and honestly, like, the the cap flexibility thing is something I really want to get into when we talk about Oliver and, and that trade. But, you know, when I think about this deal, you know, it's it's one that gives you four years of – of Johnny Hockey and Patrick Laine playing together, which is exciting. Like, it has to be the most exciting time offensively in Blue Jackets history, right? I mean, even with the the exit of Oliver Bjorkstrand, you have to think that this team is capable of scoring more goals than ever before, and that's coming off of a season where they did just that. And this team offensively, I think, has gotten much, much better uh, in terms of just natural development of some of their younger players, but then of course the addition of Johnny Gaudreau. And so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And and I mean, just in the coming or in the most recent days, hearing from Patrick Line talking about, he doesn't know if he's ever been this excited to play hockey because, you know, 
Oh, he's so excited about playing with Johnny Goudreau, not believing that Johnny Goudreau was signed by the Blue Jackets. His friend waking him up and being like, dude, you guys got Johnny Goudreau. And him being like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, <laughs> like there's no way. And not believing him and then looking and seeing that he did as he's like scrolling through Twitter with hands shaking. I mean, it's just a really like cool visual. And it's just something that I don't think we've gotten much of in Columbus. And I think that that is a lot of reason to be fun, like excited if you're a Blue Jackets fan. And I think you have to be content with the way that this continues to challenge the narrative of players don't want to play here. Like, and I think like, honestly, like I'm ready to bury that narrative. Like, and I don't even know how much I want to talk about it on the show. Cause like, I think that the narrative is so dead at this point. And I think the media and I think everybody has gone so far as to say that, right? Like you look at, you know, Zach Wierenski long-term contract, and then you get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau to sign a long-term contract in Columbus. Patrick Line extends in Columbus. You know, Jack Roslovic stays in Columbus, you know, for a few more years. And I think there's a funny little article the other day in the, in the Athletic by Aaron Portsline talking about, like, okay, so, like, let's talk about that Jets trade now that you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting out of Winnipeg and basically just, like, pouting his way through that experience versus <laughs> Jack Russell locked up for another two years in Columbus, Patrick Line another four years in Columbus. Uh, yeah. I mean, you gotta, not that I didn't believe this beforehand, but Patrick Line putting pen to paper there definitely makes the blue jackets the winner of that trade. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, not really wanting to continue this narrative for too much longer, but I think during, um, Patrick's press conference on Saturday, he basically summed it up what all of us already know. Um, but I think it means more. And, you know, as we've, as we've said with, with things like with Johnny saying things and now Patrick um, with his contract signing, it's, you know, he said leaving or going somewhere else was never in my mind. Going to play somewhere else was not a priority for me. Um, I love playing here and I can't imagine playing anywhere else. Like those are the words that he said. Um, and, you know, I think these two, these, the off season that we have had, um, and even with like the rumors of certain people, you know, thinking about Columbus and like, obviously we have far too many cap issues right now to like, really go after anyone huge anymore, unless you really want to experience a lot more heartbreak. Um, but I think we can officially, it's going to take the outside world a little bit longer because they're petty and they're salty and they think that we live in the middle of a cornfield. Um, but, you know, I think that should solidify for everyone in the fifth line in all the hard work from the front office and all of the players that have pledged major parts of their careers to Columbus that it's no longer that big name players don't want to play here. It's just that the big name players weren't the right ones to play here. Yeah. And I think that that sums it up. I mean, great to be moving on from that. And again, great to have another four years of, of Patty services. I mean, I think that the outside hockey world, it's funny the the narrative of Patrick Laine at this you know at the time of his contract signing is is two things. I feel like I never really hear anything in the middle, right? Like there's the narrative of this is an overpayment, and 
this, that, and the other. And then you've got people saying that he's going to have the most goals of his career this, this year and in near future because of just the potential here between, you know, uh, playing with, with Johnny Goudreau and just also continuing to develop and finding a rhythm. I think we all can agree that last year he started to find that. Let's also not forget the fact that he – was a pretty decent playmaker for the Blue Jackets. I mean, he had just about as many assists as he did goals. And and so if you're a Blue Jackets fan, I think you know what this could mean and what Patrick Line could do in the future. But if you're looking from the outside in, I think it's funny that there are these two narratives and neither one of them really meets in the middle, and that's that this is a terrible overpayment or that he's going to absolutely light up the league. I mean, I don't know that it's a dramatic take to say that Patrick Line could challenge – the likes of an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid in goals scored this year. And I don't feel like I'm being hyperbolic when I say that. I think with the way he finishes and I think with the playmaking ability of Johnny Goudreau, it's only a matter of time, right, before they start fighting the back of the net. And God forbid they, like, don't figure it out the first five games because I cannot deal with the insufferability of (laughs) Blue Jackets Twitter if that doesn't click right away. But when it does click, y'all, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, like, really excited to see that happen. And I know that, Laura, you are too. And I think that really, really everybody is. You know, I a little fun game that I didn't prepare you for. These are my favorite things to do to you. Awesome. Who's, like, the ideal person to play in the middle of Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Line? Which is, like, me jumping to a lot of conclusions. There's no guarantee the two of them are going to play on a line together. But it feels like you have to, like, salivate, and that's dramatic, but, like, you have to salivate at the idea of them playing together. So who would you put in the middle of them? Um, Yeah, so then obviously there is no, like, for sureness. They have to go through camp, and Lars has to figure out what he wants to do. And in very much so Blue Jackets fashion, I feel like with a lot of these new faces and a lot of, like, the younger kids coming up, like – we might see some line changes like as the season progresses. Um, and I'm not just going to say him asshole. Jeremy is scrolling across the front of our um, podcasting screen that I'm going to just pick Boone. Um, but I am not going to just pick Boone. I think it's going, It's there's going to be a lot of things that determine it's going to be how much Boone has, um, recovered from his injury at the end of last season and how good of a showing Cole Sillinger has during training camp. So I have two options and I think either one are going to be great for us in either Boone Jenner, who captain solid leadership, you know, you, you know, he can handle the position and then Cole Sillinger are, you know, basically golden boy that is hungry to play with these high caliber players, but also has the maturity level to also be on that kind of line, you know, to, and what a learn, I mean, what a learning opportunity for him to be between Patrick and Johnny. Like he's already had a year playing with Patrick. Well, most of a year, cause Patrick was out for a good chunk, but you know, that's, I think we're going to see just incredible things from Cole if he gets the opportunity to play with both of them or either of them. I mean, I think at least in the start of the season, um, our lines one and two are going to be between Boone and Cole. I, if you're a Blue Jacket center or if you're somebody on this team who has ever played center, 
how could you not be like just licking your chops at the opportunity that presents itself in centering a line that consists of Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Lining on the wings? I mean, that's like all-star caliber to the next level. And if you're a player, and I'm not saying that this player is who I think it's going to be, but if you're a player like Jack Roslovic, right, who's got a two-year contract, he's making $4 million, how can you not see this as an opportunity to make your fucking coin? Right, like, how can you not see this as a, if I can figure out how to make up for some of the the challenges that I have defensively, which he start like he started to do like toward the back end of last season, he's it, he has to think right, like if I can be just a responsible center who can find the way to score some greasy goals, some of these rebounds off of a Patrick Line shot, a Johnny Gaudreau, you know, dangle like I. I see payday in my future and hopefully it's from the blue jackets, but I see it. And it's not unrealistic to think that even, even a player of Jack's caliber couldn't put up 60 to 70 points playing in between Patrick line and Johnny Goudreau. Are you kidding me? Like talk about, I mean, then you say Boone Jenner, Boone Jenner, I think is another great player. I mean, like if Boone Jenner is centering this line, how many stupid greasy goals is Boone Jenner going to have on the year? Right? Like how many of these just ugly, in the paint, was it goaltender interference? Goals is is our captain going to have? It's going to be a, a few. Like it's going to be a lot. like they coined it the area that's like Boone Zone, like the captain's something. Captain's crease, maybe. Yeah, captain's crease. I think and is what John Luke. We need to get on that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of fun to see the competition there. I've heard a couple of people say it'll be interesting. I mean. Who's a player that the Blue Jackets think is going to turn into a center? Aside Kent from anybody we've said already. Kent Johnson. Sure, but there's one more. Alexander Texier. Alexander Texier. Could, like, that could be interesting, right? Like, I mean, Tex isn't, like, I mean, obviously he's going to have something to prove coming back from, from a leave of absence with the team last year and also as a guy who needs to get paid next year. I mean, could you not imagine him just being absolutely motivated to to find his way in between those two? And, and I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, I think it's probably safe to say that Sean Crowley's not going to find himself there, but could it be – like, could it eventually be a Ken Johnson? Could it be Cole Cylinder? I think the possibilities are endless. I think that – I was the dick when I – you know, did the whole, she's going to say Boone. I do think he starts there, right? Like, I think that in order to combat some of that, uh, you know, liability that might be caused by <laughs> Patty and Johnny Goudreau. But Johnny Goudreau plays a good 200-foot game. Like, he's he's pretty defensively sound, too. Like, so, I mean, I think that that's not going to be as big of an issue as it was before, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that one shapes up. But, I mean, even, like, who's your second line? At well, this point, right? Like, who do you put there? Well, I said I would switch. Like, Boone's going to be one and Cole's going to be the other one. I mean, on the wing. I mean, like, on the wing. Oh, on the wing. Um. Oh, God. Well, Jakob Voracek. Right. Um, and then... Oh, man. It would have been Oliver Bjorkstrand. Yeah, huh? yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know. Like, Sean Corrali. Um... You know, depending on how oh God, we have so many wingers too. Um oh that one's really hard. I don't I don't know. I mean, you got two solid pieces in Jakob Borchek and either Boone or Cole. So I don't know. Who would I you think it's gonna be 
I think Gus Nyquist will find his way to the second line. I think I, I could see that. I honestly, and this is going to be like one of those weird things where we say first, second, third, fourth line, and we like assign value to that by like being like, that's the first best line. That's the second best line. We know that that's not always the case. I feel like if Boone's not playing on the first line, I feel like Boone's going to play on the third line. That's kind of the way I feel because I think that Jack will play on the second. Like, I think that Jack is going to get his chance at being a top six center. Um, now, I guess maybe Cole could be on the third line too. Like, and I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shapes out. I mean, like you said, the Blue Jackets have got quite a bit of depth there on the wings. So we'll see how that one shakes out. But I'll tell you my favorite, <laughs> my absolute favorite meme that I've seen in Blue Jackets land since this whole thing has happened between the Johnny Goudreau signing and the Patrick Line extension or re-signing is like the Blue Jackets should never lose another game in overtime with the on-ice three-on-three combination of Patrick Line, Johnny Goudreau, and Zach Wierenski. And then I saw somebody say, well – Boone is going to take the face off. And then somebody did the run forest run gif. And it was like Boone getting back to the bench after winning the face off. (laughs) It's just so funny to me. Like it's so good. He he knows his role and he is good at it. He is. Fifth line. You're funny. You are funny. Uh, So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this shapes out. Do you have anything else on the Patrick line a extension? No, I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, from watching or not watching, listening to his um, press conference on Saturday, like you can really tell how excited he is to, you know, like, like you said, he, he, he was like, he was one of us when he found out that Johnny had signed where he was just like, I yes. did not believe it that. And it was also like three thirty in the morning where he was when they found out, um, doing the most bougie thing ever, which was getting on a plane to go to Spain. Um, <laughs> and I'm so poor, right? Like, I'm so poor. Same. Uh, but you, that excitement, like, is getting us through the rest of this offseason and what it may hold for the Blue Jackets. It could hold nothing. It might hold small things. It might hold another weird like sadness thing um but patrick's patrick's excitement and i think just still riding the high of johnny hockey is going to be wearing a blue jacket sweater is enough to sustain all of us for a little while yeah it has to be right like you would think so and and even if that's not enough to sustain us you know what's going to sustain us DraftKings? Yeah, the money we win from DraftKings <laughs> because I don't make a bad bet, y'all. You know this about me. Just kidding. You're going to hear when I made a bad bet here in just a second. But uh, the next action, it never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all of your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet to $1,000, and if it doesn't win – you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. Maybe you want to take a, take a risk on the Reds, throw some money down for them, see what happens. You can do it all on DraftKings Sportsbook because, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, I'm not usually one to splice in content because I think that it makes my job as a producer harder. But I, I have to splice in this incredible take that I had last week. And it is none other than this. There is a 100% chance that Oliver Bjork's fan has a blue jacket in October. I know you're saying this because you don't want to. No, I believe it so hard. I I believe it so hard. You stupid. Yeah, that was was some take that you had. And I... What's wild what? is that, like, I usually am not impassioned on our podcast. Like, I think I'm usually pretty level-headed in the sense that I might think something's going to happen. I might say that I, if if I would do, like, if I were in a role, I would do something. But I, would, I never get overly, like, animated in my opinions on the show. I was animated and thought I was so right about that. Yeah, you even kind of like, not scolded is not the right word, but like you were like, when because I said 97% and you said 100 and you were just kind of like, no, that's this is 100%, like I have no, no doubt in my mind. And then and Friday then afternoon. And then doubt crept in <laughs> and it changed uh, to a 100% chance that he wouldn't be playing for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, so... The Columbus Blue Jackets part ways with Oliver Bjorkstrand, the maestro, who else? That's the thing. Like, that one hurt me so bad because, man, oh, man, I I don't I don't try to tie myself to a player because I know what happens. Like, I get that. Like, I, I understand that trades happen, and I'm the one that constantly tells Laura that you need to be prepared for things like this to happen. And I think ultimately I like was prepared and did I stew in my shit for like probably a day and a half. Sure. But I come to you all on this Monday night when we record slightly more like level headed about the trade and feeling a little bit better about everything. The blue jackets, of course, receiving 2023 draft picks in the third and fourth round from the Seattle Kraken, uh, which is where Oliver Bjorkstrand will be playing next season and presumably for the next four. And when I tell you, though, that when I came to the realization that my first ever Seattle Kraken jersey, which I really wanted to get last year because they're just such great jerseys, is going to be a number 28, hopefully. I hope he still wears 28. A number 28 Oliver Bjorkstrand Seattle Kraken away jersey. I'm finding That's where I'm finding the peace in this trade. Yeah, I feel like I need to tell my little story about how I found out that Oliver was getting traded. Um, And I think people will find this funny. But so I was driving, I live in Newark, and I was driving to like Blacklick because I was babysitting my uh, friend's son that evening. And I have like Apple CarPlay in my car, and I see like a message from Jeremy come up. And I was just like, oh, just like play the message. So I'm going to say the more appropriate version of what he said to me, which is, I'm going to die. And the next one just said, Oliver. And I was like, oh, 
my god and so i like thankfully was at a stoplight shortly after this and like opened my my phone and it was just like notifications wazoo that we had traded um oliver and i much like jeremy was pretty upset initially um and we will talk a little bit more about you know the impact oliver's had on this team but i too have like come to more of a realization like very much so understand and like why this was the move that needed to be made and like i think when we talk about the press conference that garmo had on saturday like you you'll understand a little bit more and i know that there's still a lot of like really hurt feelings and people that are very sad and trust me i understand i just mourned the one-year anniversary of Cam Atkinson's trade. Like yeah, you follow us on Twitter. Take a guess at who tweeted that. <laughs> I'm I am a hundred percent certain that most people can tell between the things that I tweet and you tweet. That's fine. So I'm sure they had no doubt that that tweet was from me. Um, but I didn't tag him in it because I didn't want the embarrassment of him liking it. So um because that would just be too much shame for me. But so and you know and i agree with you all too um but i think as time goes on um because there was a little bit of a little bit of drama um on the social media world after um this was announced because oliver was on his honeymoon and he may have liked a few tweets that ensue that he is upset um he has not made a formal statement yet because as I just said, he is on his honeymoon and he should be enjoying every single moment of that with his brand new wife and so forth and so on. But so we understand, but this was, I think probably the best option that Yarmo in the front office had in order to make us cap compliant ultimately as much as it sucks and i will be getting an oliver bjorkstrand seattle home jersey with his name on it do you prefer the home jerseys to the away jerseys well i like the away jerseys but i know that they're your favorite and i feel like people will be weird with us if we get matching jerseys okay that's fair i was gonna judge you but i appreciate that take i love both of them because i love the colors um which is also why this isn't as hard as i think it would have been if he would have went to another team because as we've spoken on the show before seattle is our like western conference team and so it's a little bit easier um but yeah i thought people would judge us if we got matching you know i'm shocked i mean (laughs) i think i watched a grand total of four Seattle cracking games this year, even though we say that that's the team we watch the most out of the West. Uh, and it's only because two of them were against the Blue Jackets and the other two were just kind of like, I think by accident, I think I might've watched the first ever game and then another one, but yeah, big fan of Seattle. Along with them. I follow them on all of their social media. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm a bigger fan of what they do off the ice and what they do on the ice. I just think it's so cool. But yeah, I think you make a really good point with like hearing what Yarmo said and I'm surprised you didn't take a little bit of offense to it like I'm surprised you didn't take some offense to what Yarmo said and it's that this was the hardest trade he's ever had to make as a Blue Jackets general manager and I thought perhaps you might take that personally I so I'll make a quick side note and let you continue but so I did take offense to that first 
I was like, oh, that hurts me. But I think part of why this is so difficult for Yarmo is and why it's different from the Cam trade, because I know that he, from interviews and even things from what Cam has said, that there was a lot of difficult decisions when it came to trading Cam last summer. But in return, we got Jakob Voracek, which is like a very equitable situation. I think what makes this even more difficult for Yarmo when it, in regards to Oliver and especially what people have said online and like I understand is you did not, for the caliber of player that Oliver is, we did not get the kind of return that we should have gotten had it been in other, had it been in different circumstances. Like, and so I think Yarmo knowing like the caliber of player, like the not, and I don't really know how players assign their, like their own worth. I hope they don't pay too much attention to that kind of stuff. Like, but I think from a business standpoint and just from the difficulty of the decision uh, in and of itself, because everything sort of came together so quickly. And Yarmo talks about that too, that like signing Johnny was not on the list like and when that happened a whole bunch of like tiles in this line of dominoes like just started fall falling and they needed to figure out how to stop it so that's why I think he said that and but so yeah long story short I was offended at first but now I'm not <laughs> fair yeah and I think to the point of like being the first being involved in the first draft that Yarmo had like I think that that says something especially as somebody who like just had that scouting background right like I mean like this is something that matters to him and pays attention to it and it's funny and it's kind of full circle because you know as we talked about off air is in his press conference Yarmo makes mention of kind of noticing Oliver Bjorkstrand when he was scouting Seth Jones and obviously like that's such a weird full circle moment of like this the hockey world is so small and this in the fact that like then only a few years later Seth Jones gets traded to Columbus and then you know, all the things that happen and beyond happen and I think that that's fascinating just to hear it almost feels like when you've like raised a little bird to like fly out of the nest and you're like really sad to like have to have that happen it feels that way and and, you know, I talked about it on the show, right? Like, I did not think that Oliver was going to get traded because I, I do think that he might have been on the most valuable contract on the team, right? Like, I mean, to be 5'4 for another four years, man, I mean, like, that's a really team-friendly deal. But I think the the reality became, like, he was a luxury that you can't afford right now. And that sucks. But again, to don the phrase that's been used over and over again throughout this whole situation, it's like, we took the best thing we could, like, this was the best option for us, like, and that sounds shitty as a Blue Jackets fan, because you're looking at it, and you're saying, the best we could get for Oliver Bjorkstrand, a guy who's led the team in scoring for the last three years, like, the best we could get for him is a third and a fourth round pick, are you kidding me? The reality is, right, like, you didn't just acquire a third and a fourth round pick, you acquired maybe the most valuable thing in this entire transaction, and that's cash space. And that's the reason why this trade is is so in like lacks value on the face, but in reality has quite a bit of value because 
A lot of folks have speculated what it would cost to move other big Blue Jackets contracts. So, you know, Gus Nyquist has got another year left. Obviously, he's probably somebody who you would have had to add something to be able to to relieve some of that cap space. There's Jakob Voracek, whose deal is so big that you might have had to add a couple of some things, right? Like whether that's a draft pick and a prospect or, or you know what I mean? Like you would have had to really sweeten that pot. And I think the Blue Dragons did what they had to do here, and it gives them cap flexibility in the future. You know, at the end of next year, you know, you're looking at losing Gus Nyquist's contract either because he doesn't resign with the team or because I'm assuming he resigns for less than 5.5 or whatever he's at right now. Then in two years, you lose the contract of, of Jakob Voracek. And so in two years, you were going to have about $12 million off the, off the books. Well, now you've got $17 million off the books, $18 million off the books, 19. And that's going to be huge for a team that hopefully in two, three years isn't making these massive like trades to try to like create this team. It's more so who can we sign? Like what depth player can we sign? That's going to really round out a missing piece on our team. And that player is not going to be worth, you know, eight, $9 million. That player might be a three, $4 million player. And now that you have that much cap space going into the 24, 25 season, you can do that. And that's something you may not have been able to do with all of your contract on the books. And so, also, calling it now, like, if the Blue Jackets are not in a playoff spot, Gus Nyquist, gone. Absolutely is going to be somebody you can trade at the trade deadline. And that you can't say the same thing about Jakob Voracek or Oliver Bjorkstrand. They have term, right? Like, you're not going to be able to trade them at the trade deadline. So, ultimately, I think it's pretty okay asset management by Jarmo Kekalainen in this case. And it doesn't look like that on the face, but I think that's the reality. Yeah, and I think um, you really have to – I think people get – if they don't know a whole lot about how – trades and stuff like that goes in the nhl like because i i've seen it all over you know blue jacket social media where it's just like well why didn't they just get rid of Gus? like or why didn't they get rid of this other person blah blah, blah. the the signing of johnny Gaudreau, Gaudreau, sorry um was we all know this was such a huge story across the nhl not only did it blow people's minds that he picked Columbus, but it also put a huge spotlight on the Blue Jackets cap situation. And for the first time in multiple years, everyone knew that we were in trouble with cap space and that there was going to be, we were going to have to move someone. And so as much as we like to think about and me included, like as much as you like to think about players that your fan base loves or, you know, whatever, like all of those emotions tied into it, like they simply can't be considered in this circumstance because the rest of the NHL, these other 31 teams knew that they had us over the barrel. Now, it is interesting because there weren't as many teams that I'm sure could have gone and like come to Yarmo um to ask for Oliver because they also don't have cap space but Seattle being brand new having traded away some of its larger contracts um over the course of their first year is in a prime position to make that phone call to make that phone call and say hey we know you're in a spot we'll take Oliver Bjorkstrand his entire salary because we're not retaining any of Oliver's salary, which is something that happens when you trade people sometimes. Um, 
and then we'll give you these two picks. This is our offer. And they knew, they knew that we weren't going to get anything better than that without getting rid of someone else or to someone else's like, and you have to sort of look at what is the biggest, what is the best thing with the minimalist impact. And unfortunately that was trading Oliver and it sucks, but it was the best thing to do to get us cap compliant and to set up this new situation that we find ourselves in with these higher caliber, not that Oliver's not a high caliber player, but like these higher caliber franchise altering players. Yeah. And I think that's so funny the way you set that up. You were like pulling the whole manipulative, like, Oh, you have, Oh, you have a problem. We'd love to help. We'd love to help. Oliver's going to be a fucking G in Seattle, I think. Like, I, he's going to be a lot of fun. Like, he's immediately going to step into a top six role. He's going to be a player who I think the fans are going to love there. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what he can do in Seattle. I'm absolutely going to be following that pretty closely. And I wish him nothing but the best. I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, though, like, if somebody told me, Jeremy, I'm going to give you three players, you got to pick two, right? Patrick Line. Johnny Goudreau, Oliver Bjorkstrand. 28, I love you. I love you, 28. Nope. Like, I, I, like you pick Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Klein like, 10 times out of 10. Like, you can't tell me that you don't. And when I think about that, it makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it makes me feel a little better. And I know I know the other take is, oh, well, I bet the Blue Jackets wish they wouldn't have signed Eric Branson now. Like, I, I have it on a pretty good accord that the – that the Branson signing was helpful. Let's just say that. That's my insider info. Let's just say that. And so let's calm down on the, on the good Branson signing. Like, let's like forget about that for a second. This was going to have to be something the blue jackets did in one way, shape or form, whether that's because they had the glut of forwards or just because of the cap situation. And I'd rather be a team that needs to try to get cap compliant with a good team. I think we're on our way to having a good team, right? Than a team like San Jose that's going to struggle to be like they're going to be cap compliant, but they're up against the cap and they they're not good and they're not they don't have the prospect of being good anytime soon. You know, I think about teams like that where I'm like, oh, you look at that cap hit and it's like woof. Like I mean, like I think about the Canadians last year and with I mean, obviously now Shea Weber's out of the picture and that's a little bit more of a moot point, but like they were like spending some of the most money in the NHL and they were at the bottom of the league. Like, I'm glad that we are in a place where I think we are going to be a okay cap wise. And we're going to have a much better product on the ice. I mean, you look at the blue jackets roster now and not including anything, you know, Emil Benstrom, because I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but if you just look at what the blue jackets have right now, they're probably like, if they send players such as Carson Meyer and Brendan Gons down to Cleveland, they're looking at having about $1.6 million in cap space. And that's if they start the season, this is actually a too big of a roster. Like one more person gets sent down from the roster that I'm looking at and they've still got room. And so it's going to be okay. Cap wise. I think here's the next question is all is, is Yarmo done? 
Um, I don't know. I I think, and I I was listening to I listened to half of um the CBJ and Thirty, like the Monday mailbag with um mm. Bob McGilligan today. Um, it was really long, so I could not listen to the whole thing. Um, but we're we're in a circumstance where like we could he could be done and it could just be a matter of like sending certain players down to Cleveland but then you know that brings up the whole issue that really freaks out fans but I don't think freaks out like um front office people as much which is like we're gonna have a lot of those people are gonna have to go on waivers and like waivers always freak people out because you know, well, someone could claim them and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, sure. Um, and I know that they're going to think really hard, like really intently on those decisions, like before they put someone on waivers to go to Cleveland. But the likelihood is like not as high as I think people think. Because there is from time to time a higher caliber player that gets put on waivers for one reason or another, like, and ends up getting scooped up in the, like, I think it's a 24 hour time period that they're on waivers. Um, So I wouldn't, at least from my perspective, and I hope that I'm helping other fans learn things. I wouldn't be so freaked out every time you hear that someone is going on waivers, especially right now, but also during the season, if it happens, because, and I think, Bob explained it really well today where he was like, the reason why they're getting put on waivers to go down to Cleveland is because they're not playing at the level that we need them to play at to be on the main roster. So it's not like they're, they're, we're putting people on there that are like killing it in Columbus. And so someone would want to like swoop them up if we put them on waivers. So like, there's reasons why, and it's usually so that the player can get more more ice time. We don't have a space for them currently. Like they can get a lot of playing time in Cleveland, like all these sorts of things. So it's not, again, it's not one of these things where they're gonna, you know, cause the whole conversation today around this, like was with Liam Foodie and his journey in this organization. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say, again, don't be freaked out by waivers as much as you are, but but that leads to the other side of the coin, which is Yarmo could want to recoup some more things um, if he felt like we were shortchanged with having to deal Oliver. He could want to recoup something from someone else um, or just an opportunity that comes up that's more of an even trade situation, not really us giving up any more cap space um so like a one-for-one situation I can see him dumping not dumping that sounds harsh trading um one of our forwards because we just we have too many like we just have too many um and you know there's just not space for them and yes there's space technically between us and Cleveland but some of these players are too borderline that they wouldn't necessarily want to play in Cleveland not that they really get a choice but like um so yeah I don't know he I I hope that he's just like relaxing but part of me says that he's not done and 
it's still going to be an interesting off season. Well, I can say with 100% certainty that Yarmulke Line is done this off season. Which means that, he's not because you just jinxed it. Yeah, that went well last time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what else is on your Blue Jackets heart? <laughs> well, I just wanted to say like something quickly like in regards to Oliver and just thanking him for... Oh, you want to get emotional? I do, kind that's of. Weird. If you you okay? Me- that's really weird for you to get emotional on our podcast. I've never heard you do it before. Are you sure that you're up for this? <laughs> I know it's really branching outside my comfort zone. I know. Like, do I need to give you a second? Like I can edit out this part. Like, do you need a <laughs> second to like just prepare? Doesn't everybody love just the stuff that I have to put up with in this relationship? It's so fun. <laughs> anyway, All right, what about Oliver? I would like to say nice things about Oliver. Um, I think from clearly being the more emotional of the two of us, that something that's been really hard for other Blue Jackets fans, over the, especially over the course of the last couple of years, is that a lot of the people that have left this team, whether on their own accord or through trades or through like communicated trades, like in circumstances with Nick Foligno, um, these are people that have touched the hearts of fans. Like they were active in the community. They were always really engaged with the fifth line. Like they always made you feel. And this is very much so how I got brought into hockey and how I fell head over heels. They made you feel even in an arena full of 19,000 people, they made you feel special and they made you feel like, and not that they didn't, but they definitely they just made you feel that you were so much more a part of this game for them and for the like that it was just it was a community that we were all in it together. Um, and to lose these big people like Nick Felino and David Savard and Seth Jones and Cam Atkinson and now Oliver Bjorkstrand, like it just it hurts. It hurts your heart because it feels like part of your family is leaving and especially someone like Oliver who you know I said on last week's episode how great would it be to have that picture of him raising the Calder cup over his head and then also have him raise the Stanley cup over his head as a blue jacket like how you know full circle would that moment be and like no one is contesting the incredible impact that Oliver Reorkstrand has had on this team and all of the rough things that he's seen this team through and all of the incredible moments we asked on our um, Twitter page today like share some of your favorite Oliver moments and like saw some really just incredible clips of him winning a game for us or winning it you know it's just his incredible shot and like who's gonna you know argue that he doesn't have one of the best smiles like that boy lights up a room um so it hurts. It does definitely from the emotional side, but I think I can speak for Jeremy. And when I say that we are just incredibly grateful for all the years that Oliver has been with this franchise, both in Cleveland and here in Columbus, um, I hope, and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised that I think Oliver will be one of those people that makes Ohio Columbus like his home, either, in the off season or um, once he retires, because I think this means Ohio means a lot to him. 
Um, but we are just incredibly thankful and we wish him absolutely nothing but the best in Seattle. I know I'm sure Wenberg is super excited to be reunited with Oliver. Um, and of course, just not against us, particularly not on his return, which is my birthday game this year. So we love you, Oliver. And we just thank you so, so much for all that you've done. Yeah, I hope Oliver Bjorkstrand has 80 really good games in a year and, like, two that kind of suck. Not yeah. going to lie to you. Not going to lie. But, yeah, I, I agree with all your sentiments, and I think the Cleveland piece is, is one of the more cool parts of this equation because it's such an integral piece of that championship run by, by the Monsters. And in a lot of ways, that group that won that championship with the Monsters – always will kind of have like this little piece of of joy in my heart because you thought for a second and it ended up being true right like that this team this Calder Cup winning team could have folks on it that could help the Blue Jackets get there and help them get to where they needed to be and Oliver Bjorkstrand did that uh you know one thing that I didn't know before this trade I knew that he had the game-winning goal in game four against the Lightning. I knew that he scored the 4-3 goal to eventually, you know, the team win 7-3, right? And we always see the clips of, like, the Artemi Panarin empty net goal that, like, made it 5-3 and seals it. But obviously the Oliver Bjorkstrand 4-3 goal is the game winner, but he had three out of the four game-winning goals in that series, which is just something that I think he speaks to his clutch ability to do really great things for this team and this franchise. And, Obviously, we'll miss 28 this year, but nothing but the best to him. Laura, do you have anything else on your radar? Um, I'm doing a fun hockey adjacent related thing this week, which is I will be with a friend of the show, um, Megan, or Madame That Bitch, as Jeremy likes to call her, <laughs> yeah. um, and her boyfriend at the WNCI Celebrity Softball Game. Um, which will feature Sean Corrales, Jack Rosselvick, and Jean-Luc Rampierre from the Blue Jackets organization. Um, so I'm pretty excited to go see some Blue Jackets play softball. Jeremy and I went last summer, and it was a lot of fun. It is also includes the Backstreet Boys, which my boy band loving heart is just so excited. I've already warned Megan. I promise not to embarrass her. Um, but if you follow me on my personal social media, you know that I saw the Backstreet Boys a couple weeks ago with my two best friends, and we just had the best time, uh, so I'm excited. And if you want to come, tickets are super cheap. Um, general admission is $10. If you if they still have any, I'm not sure, but you can get like secured seats for $30, um, but it should be a lot of fun, and you'll get to see some hometown favorites from the Blue Jackets compete in a softball game and it was very entertaining last year for sure uh so i'm i'm excited to see well i guess we saw we saw jack and jl um last year so i'm excited to see sean corrales softball skills yeah you know who else we saw Oh, don't. Yeah, full circle Oliver. moment. Oliver Bjorkstrand played in that game. <laughs> and the only reason he played is because Cam got traded the week before. All I got to say is, Sean Crowley, start packing your shit, buddy. It's time. <laughs> it's time to go. I'm on my Mike Commodore bullshit. Uh, anyway, folks, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. 
we really appreciate you sticking in here. You're going to want to stick with us uh, by following us on social media. Laura, you can tell the good folks where they can do exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking if you would like to uh, check out, actually, I haven't played this in a while. If you want to check out our YouTube page, because you can see the full interview that we did with Yarmo Kekalainen a couple of weeks ago, you can follow us at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about us or get links to all of these things, you can look at our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. We do have a brand new merch store. So if you want to support your two favorite hockey podcasters, you can visit subjectivelymerch.com. Um, it doesn't have all of our merch up on it yet, um, but it does have our brand new uh, Here's Johnny design, which you can get on a bunch of different stuff. Uh, we love it. So shout out to our graphic designer, Steven. Killed it again. Um, I can't wait to order mine to wear this season. And then this is the last week uh, the last week to vote uh, for us in the Columbus Podcast Awards, we are nominated for Entertainment Podcast of the Year as well as Podcast of the Year. Uh, we are incredibly humbled and honored to be even nominated, um, and we would love your support to sort of push us to maybe win one of these two things. Um, so if you want to give us a vote, you can vote daily if you would like. <laughs> Um, voting is open until August 1st, and you can go to columbuspodcastawards.com slash nominations and just scroll down in those categories and you will find us. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And again, we don't know how the algorithm works or how any of this matters, but it does help us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and to grow our little community. So other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. I think some of you are cool. Maybe not all of you, <laughs> but most of you. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I'm kidding. I love you all very, very much. Uh, obviously, until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we will talk to you all very soon. Bye. Bye.